Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. On today's episode, we got Dave Cormack, a.k.a. K for Dave. K for Dave was the editor for VW Trends from 97 to 2001 and associate editor at Hot VWs after that. So make sure you guys go on our blog and at letstalkdubs.com and click on blog and check out the pictures you can follow along with when we reference some things in respect to the podcast. So uh, also would like to uh, have you guys know that we've got some gear available now on our website. If you go to the store on letstalkdubs.com, there's stuff that's available that you can purchase to support the podcast. So if you like the podcast, fly your colors and fly and proud. I appreciate uh, a lot of the feedback. We've been getting a lot of positive feedback. And after the podcast at the end on my bumper on the end, you guys will hear all the shout outs I'm going to give to the people that have been given uh, five-star reviews for our podcast. So make sure you guys go review the podcast and write and rate a review. Make sure if you uh, write a review, we'll go ahead and mention you on the podcast. Appreciate everybody out there for listening. And uh, we've got some good stuff coming up. You'll hear about the next podcast at the end of this podcast. So ready or not, K for Dave. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. Today we've got a special guest that's been in the VW scene for quite a while. If you've been listening or uh, buying magazines for any amount of time, VW Trends and Hot VWs, you'll know our next guest. Our next guest is coming from Crescent City, California, uh, Dave Cormack, and he's worked for uh, VW Trends as the editor from 1997 to 2001, and then also Dave was the associate editor of Hot VWs from 2001 to 2005, so uh, everybody welcome Dave Cormack to the podcast. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Bill. Happy to be here. Hey, I'm, I'm glad we got you on here because you've been a staple in the VW community for such a long time, and I'm really excited to, to get to the bottom of things, but the very first thing that we always do on Let's Talk Dubs is we get your VW story. So if you can, for our audience, give us your VW story and how you got into Volkswagens. I was a confirmed Chrysler Plymouth Dodge fanatic, and a friend of mine had a Hemi Cuda, and it, while it was really fast, we, you know, like any gearhead, we wanted more. We wanted faster. So we took off those god-awful Carter AFB carbs, put on hollies like the Lord had intended, uh, headers, traction bars that reach clear up to the bell housing, the old Castler cheater slicks. And uh, we were sitting at Orange County Raceway after changing the carbs, and we were you know, jet changing and checking plugs and, you know, it's still a little rich. So let's tone it down a little bit. So he's sitting up at the starting line. Here comes this little orange bug, the empty something pincher bug inch something. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's not fair. They're going to have to let that little bug get down at least to the 660 before they let the CUDA go. Well, the tree came down even. They both left at the same time. And I got to tell you, if it had been a 1,500-foot quarter mile, the CUDA would have got it. Yeah. Because it was catching up fast. There is no replacement for displacement. But the wind light came on on the tower side, and that was that little orange bug. And I was tired. I, my hands were hurting from all the wrenching. 
I was a little angry, to tell you the truth, <laughs> and I stormed into the pit and met this guy named Daryl Vatone, who was running this car called the Inch Pincher. And I said, what do you have in this thing? And he said, it's a Volkswagen engine. And I said, well, I don't know that I can say it on internet, <laughs> but how about recycled bull food? Right. Prove it. So he, you know, okay, okay, just calm down. I'll show you. And he pulls off the deck lid pins and pulls off the deck lid, and it's missing the generator and the fan shroud, and there's a carburetor on each side, but good God almighty, that's a Volkswagen engine. Yeah. It just beat up my friend's Hemi Cuda. Okay, now you've got my attention. Right. Yeah. So and that's and that's kind of how it started. And finally, about four years ago, I saw Daryl for the first time since then at Bonneville when he was racing the Inch Pincher clone. And it was kind of funny because I said, Daryl, you know, I've wanted to do this for over 40 years and it's time. I was a real jerk to you at OCIR and I apologize. And Daryl, ever the gentleman, just said, well, you know, you weren't the first ticked off V8 owner and you weren't the last. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how it started. That's awesome. That's awesome. And what year was that? Uh, you know, I've tried. To, it had to be 1970 or 71 because Impy sold in 1972. So walk me through the process now. So now you go to the drag strip, get your butt whooped. Your buddy gets his butt whooped by this VW bug. So now you're on the hunt for a Volkswagen at this point? Yes, I was. Um, I sold my Hemi Cuda and went out and got a 69 bug and put the C-stripes on it and, you know, did all the, you know, Chevy wheel adapters and the boom tube that you stuck on your pea shooters and yeah. air shocks in the back, you know. I was going for flared fenders, but then I got inducted. I didn't get drafted into the Air Force, but it was either that or head for a rice paddy. Right. So I enlisted. So you enlisted in the Air Force, and then so now your bug gets side project for a little bit until you get out of the well, Air I, Force. Yeah, I, I sold the 69 because, you know, I didn't know when I was going to get back to it. I, you know, never didn't know what was going to happen, even in the Air Force. They can send you to the Southeast Asia, and you can still get killed. Sure. So I didn't know, so I sold it. And when I came back, I, uh, oh, this is embarrassing. I bought a Pinto wagon. <laughs> Classy. <laughs> yeah. And I moved up to Yellowstone Park, and I actually traded the Pinto for an old 67 VW Deluxe bus, the old Titan Red and Beige Gray. Nice. That's that's the one I hit the buffalo with, so it's always been called the buffalo. You ran into a buffalo with that bus? Yeah, the buffalo walked away. The bus had to be towed. <laughs> and where'd you, where was this when you hit the buffalo? You were up in, uh, I was in Yellowstone? I was in Yellowstone Park between Mammoth Hot Springs and Cook City, and I managed to hit some black ice. And if you've never been on black ice, you don't even know you're on it until everything's going sideways in your windshield. So when you, so when you say you're living in in uh, in Yellowstone, how are you living in Yellowstone? There's housing there, or you're like hippie yeah, style there camping. Was, there is a real small town called Gardner, Montana, and I was living there, and I was working for the uh, maintenance crew in Yellowstone Park for the National Park Service. Oh, so you're working for the maintenance crew at the time. So you decided like you're going to work for the Park Service government job. Yeah. 
Pardon me? So that was like a government job for the U.S. Park, yes, Park it Service? Yes, absolutely a government job. And I was able to use the five-point veterans preference they had back then to get my foot in the door. Nice. And so this is, uh, what, what time, what, what year is this? Uh, 72, three. So 1972, 73, you're up there in Yellowstone. And then uh, how do you evolve down into getting, walk us through your VW history from there? Do you get another drag bug? Do you get, do you get some street bugs? Or you just kind of go through... Well, I, I bought this old Buffalo bus, and uh, I had tried for years to get on full-time in Yellowstone Park. The yeah. problem there was that once the snows come, they reduced themselves down to a skeleton crew because the tourists weren't there, and they didn't need all the manpower. Sure. Well, that I wanted a real full-time job, which I wasn't going to get in Yellowstone Park. So... The bus and I all loaded up and came down to this town that I'm in now, Crescent City. Yeah. And I tried to get full time at Redwood National Park and couldn't do it here either. And I went down to see my sister in Escondido, California, mm -hmm. North San Diego County in 1980, just, just to see her for Christmas. Well, that ended up being 25 years Oh wow, twenty five years down in Escondido, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what you what were you doing in Escondido during the at the time? I worked for the city of Escondido and I worked in their maintenance department, truck driver, you know, running a paving box. Uh, and at the end I was a street sweeper. And you could always tell my street sweeper because I had taken off the front grill, made one out of expanded metal and had a 67 and earlier chrome front bus emblem on it. Oh, nice. So you had a big VW bus driving around street, sweeping the streets. <laughs> yeah, so they always knew it was me. Hey, that guy that has the VW emblem on the front of his bus. Oh, yeah, that's Dave. So now you get settled down there in Escondido, and so you start just enjoying the VW as a hobbyist, just just buying cars yeah. and collecting yeah, I was parts. Just playing with my little cars and mm -hmm. having a good time. And in 19... In 1988, 1987, I met the love of my life. And in 1988, after she won Miss VW Classic, hmm. two weeks after that, I married her. Nice. Yeah, nice. I mean, I tried for three days detailing my car, and I got nothing with the oval. Right. She spent like two hours at the beach working on her tan. She comes home with a, you know, a plaque, a dozen roses, and a $100 bill. Yeah. Okay. Then marry me. <laughs> I get it. Okay. There you go. Go for the go for the breadwinner. Yeah. So so you're into you're into VWs at this time, and you're just a casual hobbyist, and you're into into that, and you end up. Now you were telling me earlier before we got the podcast going, you were telling me that there was somebody else that's done a podcast with us, um, out of Escondido that helped you get the job over there at uh, Lee Hedges. Helped you get the job yes. over there. Yes. At Hot VWs, or VW Trends, so... At VW Trends, correct. How does that happen? Okay, well, I, at the time, was working as a bus mechanic on a graveyard shift, and I hated it. I mean, it was keeping the bills paid, and I was keeping my promise to my beloved, but I hated that job. And I was over helping Lee one day. He had an old VW bus he called Friedrich. Yeah. 
So I was over helping him do the breaks because as much as I love Lee, he's he's not a, the perfect mechanic. He's a good mechanic. Yeah. But when it comes to break, the more eyes on it, the better. Yeah. And he was going to take his family up the California coast in this old bus. And, you know, if you louse up a tune-up, you can call AAA. You louse up the brakes on a bus, and it's not going to hurt. Right. You're not going to feel anything. <laughs> you know, you won't even hear the noise, probably. Yeah. yeah. So I was over there looking and making sure all the brakes were correct. And I go to walk into his house and wash up, you know, get the grease and stuff off my hands. And I see these 8x10 manila envelopes. And one of them said Oval, New Jersey. The other one said Thing, Tennessee. And I said, now, and Lee was the uh, vintage historical editor for VW Trends at the time. Yeah. So I asked him, what are these? And he goes, oh, these are just some features that Henry DeKuyper, who was the uh, editor at the time, sent me to write. But I don't like writing features. Um, that's not what I want to do. I want to do, you know, historical research articles. Right. So I'm going to just send them back and say, I don't want to do these, Henry. Well, Lee, can I give it a shot? So Lee said, you know, I don't know. Um, let me call Henry. So he did. And Henry said, yeah, fine. Let this, whoever this Dave Cormack character is, let him give it a shot and see how good he can do. The worst that can happen is I tell him no. Yeah. So I wrote the story about the thing from Tennessee Turned it in, mailed it in, and never heard a word. And about four months later, you know, I'm still working graveyard shift. I get up at about two in the afternoon. The mail has come. I go out to check the mail, and here's a letter from McMullen Argus Publishing. Yeah. With a check for hundreds of dollars. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey. Hey, that's a new set of 041 heads. Right. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of how it started, and I was freelancing, and Henry was sending me all kinds of features to do, and I was writing features as a freelancer for probably nine months to a year. And then at one of the jamborees, I just happened to see Henry because he was you know, covering the event. And, you know, how you doing, Henry? Oh, I'm fine, but I'm busy, busy. And how you doing, Dave? And I said, I'm okay. I hate my job you know, graveyard shift with stinky, smelly old buses. Right. And he goes, well, would you consider being working for VW Trends? And, and I I thought I misunderstood him. I wasn't sure what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, would you repeat that? And yeah. he goes, yeah. Would you be interested in going to work for VW Trends? And uh let me think about that for a nanosecond. Yeah. <laughs> Dream job, right? Yeah. So as it turned out, I went up and met he, you know, Henry and Rob Hallstrom and the guy who was running European car, who was taking care of the international uh, car market for McMullen Argus, Greg Brown. And they hired me. Wow. So now they so hire I, you. They, they hire you as what position? Tech editor, technical editor. Oh, nice. So, so I got to go all around the country and take pictures and, you know, 
do tech stories and see what everybody else was doing with their VWs. And I was always one of the first people in the swap meet, which was kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, and I, I did, I made good use of that. You yeah. Know? First dibs. Oh, you're trends guy, let him in. Yeah. Oh, you're from VW trends. I'll give you a deal on that. Yeah. And that actually, I didn't do that ever really, but people go, Hey, you're from VW trends, aren't you? Yeah. And I didn't ever ask for any special deals. That I, I didn't think that was right. Right now, if they said, "Yeah, you can have that set of IDAs for fifty bucks," well, if you're stupid enough to say it, I'm smart enough to do it. <laughs> yeah, you know. No, absolutely. Well, look, I remember one of the one of the days. Uh, one of the happiest moments I had in a swap meet is I was selling some stuff at Pomona Swap Meet. And here comes this old guy with a fisherman hat and his hat and his pants pulled up around the middle of his waist and uh, skips on over and grabs a set of DCNFs that I've got there and he's like, "How much do you want for the DCNFs?" And I can't remember what I wanted for him at the time, 150 or 100 bucks, something like that. And I saw it was Gene Berg and I'm like, "Yeah, man, you can have them for 50 bucks, man!" Like I was just ecstatic to sell something to Gene Berg. I was like, "Guys, I just sold a set of carburetors to Gene Berg," you know. But here he was. Walking through the swap meet, just this mild-mannered cat, you know what I mean? Just yeah, kind of perusing. My Gene Berg story is kind of the same. They had a thing about the early 80s called the Race for the Gold near my home track of Carlsbad Raceway. Yeah. And it was a VW race. So I'm there, and I had a Baja bug. And like everybody else in the world, I had put my external oil cooler on the back of the fan shroud over the fan intake. Right. Because that's what you did in the 80s. Right. That's what that's what made sense. The other guys did it. Yeah. Everybody else was doing it, so it must be right. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so guy taps me on the shoulder and goes, do you know who that old guy is looking at your car? And I said, no, some guy wearing a flannel shirt in Southern California <laughs> in July. Yeah. It's, yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, that's Gene Berg. So I went over and introduced myself. And he goes, this your car? Yes, sir, it is. He goes, so how cool How cool does your engine run? And I said, oh, it's great. Oil temperature never gets over 190. And he goes, so how about your head temperature? And I said, sir, I don't know. And he goes, well, you don't want to know because you're trying to cool off your heads with preheated air from the oil cooler. That's about the stupidest thing you could do. And he, he walked away. Really? <laughs> yeah. And he just, that's the stupidest thing you could do. And he turned around and beat feet down to the pits. Wow. <laughs> and I sat there and went, you know, that old dude has a point. Right. You know, so it went over the transaxle next week. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting how he was kind of directing to the point. You know what I mean? Just kind of tell yeah, you what he, he thought. Yeah, a man a few words, but like I've said on Facebook before, when Gene Berg spoke, it was a good idea to listen. Yeah, he was opinionated. He was kind of cranky at times, especially if you asked for it. But by God, he was usually right, too. You know, you were telling me that uh, with... Joe Vitone, you did a 20 questions with Joe Vitone back in the day. Yes, so did. were these some of the technical things that you were doing? Like you'd go interview Joe Vitone and do some things like that? Because it's interesting. The the I remember Scott Black was his name, and he had a, 60, a Black 67 bug. This is probably mid-'90s. And, and I remember Scott Black's bug was one of the first bugs that 
one of the first guys that really started going after all the original MP stuff. You know what I mean? Like that bug had literally every single MP accessory on it. And this is before they started reproducing a bunch of the MP things. I think around probably between the 80s, early 90s, like MP was like, been there, done that, no big deal. And then there became this resurgence for all things MP being cool again. And so is that around, around what time is it that you're interviewing uh, Joe Vitone? That was with uh, VW Trends, and I'm going to say probably 97, 98. So and then I had the great good fortune to meet him at his home in Ocala, Florida. Oh, wow. So tell me about, so that, ex- I, so tell me about that experience, meeting with him, and some of the things you remember about meeting with Joe Vitone and going over all that. Well, they were, I said, well, I'm going to Ocala, and I was at the Bug Jam in Florida, and everybody said, oh, just go up I-84 until you see a top fuel dragster on a stick. Uh, 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 what? <laughs> yeah, just keep going north till you see a top fuel dragster on a stick. So I was driving north, and I look over on this telephone pole, and here's a, you know, 300-inch wheelbase top fuel rear motor dragster on a telephone pole. Well, it was, the, you know, the Don Garlitz Museum. Yeah. So... Joe and I met there and walked around and looked at some of the stuff. And then we went to his house. He uh, he was quite the pilot. He couldn't fly anymore by the time I met him, but he still had a hangar that was part of his house for his, oh, I can't remember the make of it, but he had his own airplane in there, but his wife would fly him around a little. Well, give me some of the stories that, that you remember uh, having, having with Joe. One of them was how the Impy logo came about. Yeah. And that was, he was on his way to Italy to, to talk to, I believe, Fumio Fukaya, who was a very famous head porter back in the day. And he was getting ready to go to Italy to try to talk Fumio into coming back. And he was going to get on the plane, and he noticed on the tail of the plane it was Pan American or Pan Am. And if you remember the old Pan Am logo, it's a blue globe with white stripes going through it and white letters that say Pan Am. Now, if you were to take that globe, smush it down into an oval, remove P-A-N-A-M and put on E-M-P-I, what do you have? Yeah. You got the and, logo. Yeah. And he said, yeah, this is probably one of the first you know, ripoffs in the VW industry. Yeah. That's <laughs> you know, awesome. copyright infringement or whatever. So you you get to meet with him. You get to hear all kinds of cool stories. Now, if you've, you've interviewed tons of people and met tons of people through your experience in the VW scene, who are some of the more memorable people that you've met with? Oh, boy. E. Uh, well, Joe tops the list. Yeah. Getting to apologize to Daryl. Uh, Bob Tomlinson, who is... His dad, Claude Tomlinson, started Claude's Buggies, which had morphed into CB Performance. Yeah. I, I was able to meet him. I was I was so fortunate. A lot of the people that were my heroes in the 80s became my friends in the 90s and early 2000s. Nice. And I enjoyed everybody, honestly. I mean, there were one or two that I could do without. Yeah. But I'm not going to mention names. But by and large, I... I met so many cool people. I, I mean, I don't know that I could really pick out a, a, a total favorite. Yeah. So what are some of the uh, um, more memorable car shoots you remember? 
that you remember doing? Because we're going to get into in a little bit. I'm going to get into the VW Trends versus Hot VWs battle that took place that was going on quite a bit later, like especially in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, you know. But as far as like some of the features you've done, some of the cars you've shot, locations, things like that, from your recollection, what are some of the more memorable either cars, people, or places where you shot where you shot cars? Uh, okay, well, the first one maybe would be there was a, the billet racing engines dragster. And he was trying to go head-to-head with the VW Paradise Dragster. And this guy lived out in the swamps of Florida. And it's a, you know, back-engine, top-fuel-looking dragster like, you know, they the Paradise guys have. And I used to babysit those boys, by the way. Oh, did you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Never changed their diapers, but I used to babysit them. <laughs> uh, but it was a complete billet engine that this guy had made. Uh, head, cylinders, case, everything. And I'm up on a ladder shooting this thing, and we're out in the Florida swamps, and I got to go to the bathroom. So I climb down off the ladder, and I start heading for the bushes for some privacy. He goes, what are you doing? I said, dude, I got to take a leak. I got to go to the bathroom. I, just, I And he goes, well, I wouldn't go over there. And I said, why? And he goes, Harold's waiting for you. Well, Harold was about a 20-foot-long alligator who... I was headed right for him, and he was smiling. Yeah, you know, and I didn't ha- I didn't use the bathroom there, and I don't think I had to go until I got back to Tampa. Yeah, that's a close call with death there. And falling out of a Toyota truck while I was shooting a Kuba wagon, that was interesting. Oh, you fell out of the truck trying to get the right yeah, angle? Toyota truck. I'm trying to get the driving shot of my friend Dale, you know, and his wife Robin's driving, and I'm in the back of a Toyota 4x truck, taking pictures of Dale driving his Kubel. And she hit a rock or something, and I had had the tailgate down, and I went right on out. Oh, wow. Uh, My first instinct was to put my camera up in the air. I mean, I have health benefits. If I break this camera, I'm screwed. So it hurt, and I got a few road rashes from it, but I got the story. (laughs) Do what it takes to get the shot. And I had sent you some pictures right prior to this interview there's one of Clyde Berg just by himself doing a wheel stand. And if you look at that, you will see he has a passenger looking straight up at his roof. Yeah. That would be me. Really? Yeah. Um, I'd always, I always said, Clyde, I want to go for a ride in your car. And he goes, well, maybe one of these days of buggerama. Well, I don't know, probably 2001 or two. He goes, hey, I got an extra helmet in the seat. And the, the track official said you know yeah he's got a seat belt he's got a helmet and a seat go ahead just don't go under 13.0 seconds right don't run a 12 well yeah like clyde's gonna do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh uh-huh so clyde nailed it lifted the front wheels in the air i wasn't quite ready so my neck jerked back and i'm looking at all the bumper stickers on his roof and I think he ran like a high 11 with me in the car. Wow. Damn, thing was noisy. Yeah. All metal inside, huh? Yeah. So that was your, so that, that's a, that, that's a good wheelie story right there to be in a car doing a wheelie with Clyde Berg. Well, and then there's another picture that I sent you of Mike, Muffler Mike Sheldon and Clyde at the Buckrama. And I was kind of the instigator and said, okay, Let's have a wheelie off all by dinner for the best wheelie between you two. You two line up 
because Mike and and, Cl- and Clyde Berg, you know, they're the wheelie monsters. Right. They they were the champions. So they lined up, and I think, as I recall, I ended up buying dinner for both of them because one of them got the altitude award and the other one got the hang time award. Right, the distance. So, you know, one got it up higher, but it came down quicker. One stayed a little lower, but carried it out to the 60-foot mark. And I did a photo shoot out in uh, Illinois, Effingham, Illinois, at Mid-America with Eric Madsen, if you know who he is. Yep. Okay. Well, this was his, uh, when his gear was still a hard top. Yeah. And I was messing with him and joking with him, and I said, can I drive it? And he goes, yeah, go ahead. So I jump in the car, and I go, so how do I start it? And, you know, he probably regrets this, but he showed me. Well, I fired the thing up, stuck it in first gear, and let out the clutch. And let me tell you, you don't want to do that on moist soil and wet grass with slicks and a spool and 500 horsepower. Oh, yeah. That thing probably dug deep. Yeah, I put in some pretty deep divots in that lawn. And Mike Yeager, you know, he was actually, he's the guy that, the head honcho from Mid-America. He yeah. was pretty cool about it. I volunteered to fill in the patches and resod it. And he goes, nah, I'll just have the landscaper take care of it, but don't do that again. Nice. So then you, so, so you get to drive a few famous drag cars then in your time. Yeah. Between. Uh, uh, I was able to drive Muffler Mike's car around the Phoenix Buggerama once, just teasing everybody. He had one pro eliminator for like the, I don't know, seventh or eighth or hundredth time or something, because he was unbeatable. That guy was a machine. Yeah. Anyway, I get in his car and I take off and I'm driving around in the pits and everybody, what are you doing driving Muffler Mike's car? And I said, I just bought it. (laughs) And boy, I'll tell you what, I hadn't even gotten out of that car yet before the old cow look form, clf.com, before that thing was on fire. Right. I, I guess the word is now that it went viral. Did you hear Dave bought Muffler Mike's car? Yeah. He's, he's going to get buried in that car. He's not going to sell that thing. So tell me about the, the, the photograph behind you right there with your oval and the new Beetle cop car. Okay. That, that car, which is still in my garage, I was just driving it, uh, was the VW Trans SoCal Imports Project Mail Order Resto Custom. And once it was all done, we took it down to Fiesta Island in San Diego and did the photo shoot on it. And that New Beetle police car, dirty little secret that I can now tell everybody, that car does not have a light bar on it. Never did, never will. Um, that, that rounded roof of the New Beetle, you couldn't put a straight across light bar on it. it you couldn't do it doesn't curve like that yeah so that was about three hours in 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 photoshop and then on the way home my buddy is putting you know we finished shooting the car and he's putting the ramps down on the trailer and i go what are you doing he goes well ready to go home and i said yeah but the car's got it's had its moment in the sun i want to drive this damn thing i don't care if it gets dirty now i want to go out and beat on it so okay so i'm at this place called sea world drive and interstate five in san diego and it's one of those two into one merge lanes and the policeman and the new beetle sitting there egging me on he's giving me a hard time he's revving his engine and preloading the clutch and doing all that well the light turns green and he takes off he burns his front tires off 
and takes off. Well, hell with this. He started it. So I, you know, I banged some gears, got around him, got on the freeway first and never saw him. A couple of days later, I see him driving around town in that new Beetle and I honk my horn and wave at him. He just does this. <laughs> like, nice. okay, officer, it never happened. But that picture with the bug and the, with the bug in the cop car, what was the theme behind that picture? Well, that was kind of a, not exactly a ripoff of the very famous February 76 cow look cover where Jim Holmes is standing there out in, I think it was in Fountain Valley, you know, the, the lowered headlight policeman with Linda Dill standing out of the sunroof, that real famous cover. And we didn't want to do a direct ripoff of that, but thought, what can we do that's kind of almost the same, only different? You yeah. know, some sort of law enforcement difficulties. Sure. So we decided on that. And what issue of VW Trains is that? What year is that one? July 2001. Yeah, I remember. So now there's always uh, there's always been kind of this, this back when both magazines were around, there was always like the, the, the VW Trends versus Hot VWs. Now, I'm sure that was alive and well when you got hired on at VW Trends. Oh, yeah. And prior to you working for VW Trends, what was your preference when it came to magazines? Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but Hot VWs. Yeah, so Hot VWs is your preference for the magazines. And then, yeah, but they didn't offer me a job. Right, so now you get working for Henry over there at VW Trends. You're working yeah. at Trends, and now you've joined alliances with the Underdog magazine for all intents and purposes, right? right. Trends well, and, was always the Underdog, and, and, and magazines. And what people didn't really know was that Dino and I, we lived two towns apart in San Diego County. Yeah. And we were actually, I mean, I'd do everything I could to get in his way or steal a feature from him, and he would do the same to me. And some of their Christmas presents, like, he, they, they sent us a box of chocolates. Well, Henry didn't want them, so he gave them to me. I'm diabetic, so I certainly can't have them. So we gave them to Sharon Mom, who was our secretary lady. Yeah. She opened them up, and every single one of those chocolates had a bite taken out of it. <laughs> Not, and know? who was the editor at the time? At the time at Hot uh, uh, Well, Bruce Samurda. Dean, that was all Dean. So you Dean. mean, yeah, I was going to say, Bruce would do something like that? Because Bruce seems really mild-mannered. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, no, that was, so that that was, was Dean. probably all Dean. He is the practical joker. Uh, you know, and I got Dean set up to come on the podcast here shortly, so I'm sure I'm sure there'll be some good stories about that. So, You know, the thing is, like I say, we were good friends, and there was one time we had both gone to an event in the southeast. Yeah. And we had gotten back. And I had the show results, but I could not get the drag race results from this guy to save myself. I called and emailed and certified letter. I tried everything. And I saw Dean somewhere, and I was complaining about that, going, you know, it's, you know, it's three months from the time we get the results. By the time I get these results, if I don't get them in the next couple of weeks— It'd be stupid to even put it in because it'll be a month before the next SE, whatever it was, show, the Southeast show that it right. was. You know, I couldn't get the stuff for. And Dean goes, Well, you got the show results? And I said, Yeah, I do. And he goes, 
well, I got the drag race results. I can't get the show results. So we did this clandestine meeting late at night in a DMZ, a town in between <laughs> the two of us, right. called San Marcos. And he hands me the drag race stuff. I hand him the show stuff. We both go home and start writing like crazy. The event coverage comes out in the same month in both magazines because we were both out of time. Yeah. Do it. And, uh, oh, yeah. And then it was actually through Dean that I got the job at Hot VWs. See, really? like I say, he and I were good friends. We'd get in each other's way every chance we could at the event. But as soon as the cameras were put away, it was a drag race to see who could buy the other one the first beer. So you and Dean are so you and Dean are actually friends at this time. Um, I mean, oh, throughout yeah. throughout the whole thing. I mean, really, the VW community is pretty small, and there's in in most cases there's room for two magazines. I mean, the VW. I mean, what paves the way for magazines is advertisers. I mean, really, that's the name of the game is marketing. Absolutely. You know, and that was why Dean and, and his wife and my wife have our favorite little Chinese place in Escondido. Dean still goes there to this day. And we were sitting in there having, you know, dinner one night. And, you know, Dean's asking me, well, what's going to be on the cover? And, he knows if I tell him it's a red 67, it's a black oval window. Right. You know? And I would do the same to him. He'd fill me full of misinformation, and I'd do the same to him. And he goes, so how are things over at VW Trends? And I said, you know, I'm not really, I'm not liking it, Dean. And you are right. They love their subscribers and their newsstand people. But who pays the freight on that magazine is the advertiser. Yeah, And a good way to tell a magazine's health is to look at the advertisers in Bedex on the back page. Yeah. And you would see Hot VW's full page, small font, single space. Uh, VW Trends was large font, half a page, uh, double space. Yeah. They were losing advertisers. And I knew it was only a matter of time before the bean counters in New York figured out, hey, it's costing us 10 beans to put this out, and we're only getting nine beans back. Sure. So I told Dean that, and his wife goes, well, why don't you go to work with Dean? Uh, say what? That was another one of those, did I hear that right? Well, Jeff Holyfield had just left Hot VWs, and they didn't really ever advertise, but apparently there was an opening for an associate editor. So I met. I went up, met up with Bruce and Dean and R.K. and Linda Dill and Steve Katowski, and everybody seemed to think that Right Publishing was this big, huge conglomerate. Yeah. I I don't think between Judy Wright and what was his name, Dwayne, the nighttime janitor, there might have been twelve people at Right Publishing. Yeah. It was just a little family-owned publishing company, and. It was like a family. Yeah. It so really was. Completely different vibe than VW Trends than working at Trends. Completely different vibe. So now when you guys, I kind of want to get back a little, a little bit into the, the VW Trends, hot VWs kind of battle. Um, with VW Trends, 
how many times did you guys end up with the same cars on the cover? Because I do remember one distinct year, and I don't know, and i got to find the magazine that I have, but there was a, was I think. It was in the 80s, and it was a pink convertible from Colorado. I, I thought it was a convertible. There was a convertible. It Maybe was, it was a Gia. Was it Gia? Uh, I think there was a Gia that came out been. in 2000. It was in Colorado. Yeah. And so. And, and that, the big deal would be like you guys tell people if you're going to shoot their car, like, well, you haven't been shot for any other magazines, have you? Like, nope, nope, I haven't been shot for anybody. And that they- is one of my first questions. And I tell them, okay, if I see this car in another magazine, I don't care if you build Noah's Ark with a 2180. You're not getting in the magazine ever again. And that guy in Colorado put out some killer cars after that. Yeah. But neither VW Trends nor Hot VWs would touch them. Yeah. Once you break that trust, it's broken. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I always thought it was crazy, you know. And it was it was always uh, you know getting the magazines. There was always a competition between. I mean, just from a consumer standpoint, because that's where I stood. Just the the quality of cars that were in there. I did always notice the Hot VW seemed to have more color ads. And more color features than VW Trends did. VW Trends had a little more black and white. And, but I think there was a little more with VW Trends, the layouts were a little more artistic. They were. And, and VW Trends, we, when I was there, we kind of knew we weren't going to beat v, hot VWs at their own game. Yeah. We knew that. Uh, so we experimented a little more than they did with the Volksrods, some German-look cars, not your typical lowered red uh, 67 with a 2276 in alloys. Right, and then that's the running joke. Like, which red, which red Porsche, which red car on alloys, which red bug? Yeah, so we were willing to – and actually – my boss at the time, Ryan Price, had said, well, we got to start thinking outside the box. And I went, the box? The box? Do you remember Mark Herbert? Yeah, no? yeah, I do. The super, can this I say it, it on the, this? Yeah, sure, part? go for it. <laughs> yeah. Can I say super box? Yeah, you can. <laughs> okay. I called Mark and said, hey, Mark. We want to do a feature on your super shit box. And he didn't believe me. He thought, you know, this has got to be an April Fool's joke. Nah, dude, this is a full-on three- or four-page color thing. And he was really quite amused, but we did. We know we, we thought outside the box, and I remember titling that like the old VW ad that said, Ugly is only skin deep. That's what I called the feature because, let's face it, the shit box was a toilet with tires. <laughs> right, but it was fast. But it, it, was but fast. it ran 11s well, on the street. So theoretically, that's the first car. That's really the first quote-unquote patina ride that might be, I mean, that wasn't a polished, that was a polished turd. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't even shiny. Yeah, the, but that's what I'm saying. No, it, was, it was it was just a dull turd. Yeah, so I mean, but, but that it, it ran 11. Yeah, that that so that car maybe was the first non-show car featured in a VW publication. Maybe it it might have been, and I mean, I think VW Trends kind of broke the mold with that one because it had never been done before. That was also at that very photo shoot was when I got thrown out of. Irwindale Raceway and told never to return. Really? Yeah. What's the story behind that? Well, Jim Hagathorn had a red VW bug with a turbo on it, and his good friend was Muffler Mike Sheldon. 
So we were going to do a story on both the cars. And I said, well, hey, let's get both of you two doing a burnout. That'll make for a cool cover shot. Right. Well, they had just repaved the infield at Irwindale. And these guys were just hooking and booking. We weren't getting any tire smoke. Hey, Mike, you got any ATF? Yeah? Give it here. <laughs> get out of here. Yeah. So we doused everything with ATF. Got a killer twin burnout shot. Yeah. It, and the smoke is just billowing out of the infield from the hot ATF. Yeah, here comes Doug Stokes, the uh, manager of Irwindale Raceway in his golf cart. Comes in and looks, and here's this puddle of red liquid. Actually, four puddles of red liquid. And it's in the burnout box? Huh? It's in the burnout box where you guys poured the tranny, flu the yeah, tranny fluid? We poured it. It wasn't a burnout box. It was the infield for the stock cars. Oh, get out of here. Oh, yeah. And they had just repaved it like a month before. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he goes, what is that? And I said, um, maybe it's water. And he goes, what is that? And uh, it's ATF. And he goes, okay, you guys are done. I said, sir, we only have like four more photographs. No, you didn't hear me. You guys are done. Pack up your stuff, put out your cars on the trailer and leave. And you, sir, don't ever come back to my track. Oh, wow. Well, I did. He forgot. Yeah. Well, it's good. Thankfully, because, <laughs> you know, when they had the drag days there, I had to go cover him. And I'm thinking, God, Doug Stokes sees me. He can throw me out. He might remember, but he never did. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So now that speaking of that, what in, in your, from your perspective, what, what cover shots do you like the best? Like what are your favorite? I mean, I remember there's one cover of VW trends where there's a, a guy with a girl sitting passenger and he's in like a teal, like a, like a baby blue or teal colored bug. And he's doing a big burnout or it could have been a staged burnout. Not really sure. Cause it's, it's way too photogenic to be, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to be, to be like that. But uh, what, what, what are your favorite covers? Like, what, what covers to you attract you the most to magazines? My favorite would probably, well, definitely, it would have been, other than my car on the cover, which sure. is kind of neat, was the one with Andy Costello's Super Street car. Yeah. Uh, I got to know Andy not that well, but well enough before he passed away from brain cancer. Yeah. And. We knew it was coming. I'm good friends with Fred Simpson at Performance Technology and his brother, Tom Costello. And we knew he was going to be going soon. And I had to scream and holler and pound my fist and tell Hot VWs, look, we can't wait three months to photograph this car. It's got to be done now. I don't care where it is in the pipeline. Move it up. And... They did, and they got it done. And the night of the DKP meet, right before the uh, the classic that they had at the old Dairy Queen, now it's Nick's Burgers or something. Okay, I had the blue line, which was an unstapled copy of the story, you know, of Andy's car. Yeah. And one of the happiest moments of my life was to be able to take that and go, here, you're on the cover, Andy. That's and he awesome. was already... You could see it was, you know, the brain cancer was getting him. Yeah. You could see it. But he looked at it, and he gave me what I can only call that Andy smile. If you ever met Andy, you're a better man for it. And to have his car on the cover, and it couldn't have been 
maybe two months after that was like three weeks after his 35th birthday, he passed away. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that's just a great opportunity to get to do that for somebody, you know? Well, and for him, I mean, he was such a wonderful human being. Yeah. I love that kid. Yeah. And you know, the opportunity that you get from being in those circumstances, I mean, really being an editor in a magazine, you have the opportunity to make a lot of people's dreams come true. You know what I mean? Especially those people. It's kind of, I I mean, from your perspective, dealing with people, I'm sure you meet both kinds. People that build a car and they act like their their crap doesn't stink and they're really top notch and all this stuff. And then people that are really grateful to have their car in the magazine, you know, and it's, and it's gotta be really a good feeling to be able to, you know, meet that enthusiast that's worked so hard and put so much time, effort, energy in their car. And like, I mean, I remember for me when my car, all I wanted was my car in the magazine. That's all I wanted. And when I debuted my bus, the VW classic, and I took first, I took first place, the VW classic. And I was just like beside myself. And then to get shot for three magazines that same day. I mean, I was on cloud nine. I was just like, Oh, you know, it, it, it doesn't get any better than that. And it was so cool that I could, yeah, yeah. Make people's dreams come true. I mean, there were some times that I couldn't, I mean, the car wasn't quite up to the standards that I knew they would accept. Right. You know, and I would do everything I could to say, you know, it looks great, but you got to understand that walking around this car for three minutes, it's going to look perfect. But in a photograph, it's going to be that car for a hundred years. And yeah. if you've got one turn signal in the front closer to the hood than the other one, because you have a repo fender, people's going to notice sooner or later. So speaking of that, would you get people that would write the magazine with all kinds of complaints and beefs and and issues like that about whether it's photo features or stuff that you got in the magazine wrong or whatever the case is. I mean, you have any, yeah, you know, two or three times a day. Two or three, <laughs> so there, so it, it's kind of like the guy that puts on the car show that has a dream to put on a car show, puts on the car show and all he gets is everybody's unsolicited advice about the car show instead of people enjoying the car show. So I guess it's kind of one of those things that kind of comes with the territory. You know, if you're an editor for a magazine, everybody's got their two cents as to how to tell you how to make it a better magazine, right? Yeah, they, everybody knows, <laughs> you know, and there was actually, and I think we talked previously about this, and no, I won't mention the name, but there was a gentleman in your town that had a car, and we had said, yeah, we'd like to feature this thing, and he goes, give me $500 and promise me the cover. <laughs> uh no right yeah that's wild uh, no no that and people you know when i'd go to photograph a car the first thing they would ask me is is this going to be on the cover and even if i thought it had a chance i'd tell them no no it's not going to be on the cover and and bill i did that simply because I didn't want to get their hopes up. If it did end up on the cover, woohoo, yay, my oh, car's yeah. on the cover, yahoo. If it didn't, well, I didn't lie to them. Yeah, I, I remember when my when my bus was in the magazine, uh, I, I've got two cars, both, two, both my buses came out in the vintage specials. So the first one that mine came out when that came out and Randy Gates blue and white uh, 21 windows on the cover. And then below it's a ceiling wax red and chestnut brown stock 
23 window. And then my bus is in the, in the middle of the feature. Uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot of my first feature, right? Like I didn't, Bruce shot it and I didn't have a location planned. I didn't have anything. And I was just kind of super dopey. Like, Oh, I guess over here would be fine. After that, I planned every one of my features. So when the photographer showed up, I was like, here, we got three locations I've scouted. Let's look at this, this, and this park it like this. You know, I, I did a lot more input and you know, the, the first one, my bus was featured, I was on the cover, but everybody that doesn't know buses will be like, oh, that's your bus on the cover. I'm like, no, that's ceiling wax and chestnut. Like, that's not my bus, and it's two feet in the air. And then the next time my Gia got featured, when, when my Type 34 Gia got featured, RK featured it, and I said, RK, my dream has always been, like, one of those active cover shots, a driveway shot, the toolbox, and a couple cars, and, you know, whatever. So RK's at my house. He's like, well... What do you got? I said, I got this huge ladder. So he got on this ladder. I pulled my oval out. I pulled the bull run bus out. And then I got my type 34 Gia. And it was like, I was ecstatic to see that car on the cover, man. And it's one of my favorite shots because I always, I, 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 a friend of mine sent me a stack of VW trends from 1984 to 88. And he's a Porsche guy, my buddy, Tom Woodford. And he found, uh, he bought out some guy's stuff and had a box. And so he just shipped it to me. He said, Hey, Bill, uh, surprise and just sent me all these magazines and my favorite shots are the car wash scenes, the, it, the, yeah. the, the drive-in scenes. Uh, you know, there's, there's one that's th- that they did. There's a VW trans where they did it at Frisco's burgers and it's got that, with that multicolored bug. The, it's got yeah. the white 68 and in the backgrounds, my buddy, Chris Broswell and his square back and all these things. And it's just, and it's just so cool. And that was the, that was the first one. Then they did another cover shot at Frisco's with, the multicolor bug where powder coating was the new technology. And it was like the guy powder coated every part and piece, a different yeah, color. It was all different powder coated colors, pink and I teal and that. yellow and all these funky colors. But it's like those magazine covers to me are my favorite because it's so funny today. They talk about, you know, on Instagram and Facebook and, and, and all the media sources we have, you know, so many people are buying lifestyle. They're buying the image of what that lifestyle is like that Southern California feel that this, that, that, but it really started with those magazine covers. Like when you see the old VW trans with the car wash scenes and, oh, look, all these super hot chicks in bikinis showed up to wash these Volkswagens with these nerdy dudes with white socks and high tops and jean shorts and mullets. And, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, but it's, it's so awesome because it, it documents several things. It's a snapshot in time of what's yes. really cool and hip at the time. You know, the pink, the raspberry, the purple, the stripes, the graphics, all that stuff. The OP corduroy shorts. Oh yeah, it, it's so cool, but it's it's really in essence selling that lifestyle. And I think as car guys, that's what we buy into. You know, we're standing on a street corner somewhere, we see some guy cruise buying some cool car, and we're like, man, that dude must have some awesome lifestyle because look at the car he drives. Yeah, you know, okay, from that guy's got it going on, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. So for me, my favorite shots are like those all inclusive. So my third shot, I was able, my, my third one, uh, was the carbon cab and that came out in 2000. It was a double cab with some carbon fiber roof accents and some stuff like that. And it was on the vintage special. And, and one of those why it's, why it really means so much. It's a, it's a cutout in the vintage special. And I made the cover of the vintage special with my brother in a double cab he built at the wagon and myself, this is my this is my favorite cover of all time. It's me and my brother in two crew cabs, and I'm doing a burnout, and I'm just ru- and now mind you, 
I'm in front of my neighbor's house and I'm doing a smoke show. It's probably May or June. So it's about 100 degrees out here in Vegas and it's hot already. And I'm trying to get those rear hides to smoke on the bus. And I did it. But it's like I was committed until he got the pictures. It seemed like RK was just shooting shots forever. But when I was done, there was two big bald patches in front of my neighbor's house. And I just quietly quietly put the bus away in the garage. And luckily, they lived out of town. So, you know, we never told him about that. But it's so cool just to be able to have that in my history. You know, where, I, where I've got me and my brother in two crew cabs on the cover. Because as kids that didn't have enough money to scrape together to get a ride, let alone buy a car, you know, sitting at 7-Eleven, slurping on big gulps and, and, and flipping through the latest VW trends or hot VWs, our dream was always to be in the magazine. So it, it, it's just yeah. it's just awesome, you know, and, and to be able to be part of that, you know, you're part of creating that history. And that's the reason yeah. we do the podcast, man. We're, 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 we're getting the history from the horse's mouth, you know. So this is your opportunity of all the exciting, cool things that you did to be able to share those with those people in podcast land. Oh, you don't have enough time. <laughs> we can do. We can always do I a multi-part keep episode. Keep up till midnight with stories. <clears throat> One thing I would like to say, and it's you know there is room for two magazines. I, I do believe, and there is a new kid in town now called Volks America. Yeah, I've seen it a couple times. I've and, seen it somewhere. Yeah, and it's it's. It's a pretty decent magazine. I didn't realize that they made me tech editor until I saw my name on the masthead. I picked it up and was reading it. And okay, it's got this guy and this guy. Dave Cormack, tech editor. Oh, you're welcome. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make you an associate producer on this. I'll just give you one credit <laughs> since I'm in. A, I'm a one man operation over here, but I'll give you some credit. On you know, this. I don't care, Bill. I've never been in this for fame, glamour, glory, money. If you think you're going to make money in the VW industry, yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah, you need to talk to me. You, yeah, I've well, never you need to go talk to a team of doctors. I, I've I've never seen, um, you know, but that, that I think that's part of what I love about the scene here because the scene here is about uh, people that start out with a with a low end vehicle, the underdog. Uh, they're cheap. They're affordable. And then regardless of your status in life, you just build the car to what you can afford or what your dream is. You know what I mean? Right. And so that's why you see so many people building cars at different levels. But, uh, you know, I, I, I love the VW scene specifically more than the other scene because it's, it's interesting. You know, I've got a 65 Riviera, right? So if I go and one of my buddies, Larry Daisy, back in 05 had, uh, no, 97, had his first barbecue. He's out in Riverside. And I go to this Riviera meet. And it's just Riviera guys are just different. You know what I mean? And they're yeah. all and their entire world is sixty-three to sixty-five. And if it happened either before or after, it really didn't exist. They're in this kind of time warp. But well, the thing one of my dirty little secrets is I actually when I moved up here to Crescent City in two thousand five after leaving hot VWs, I was bound and determined to build a car that has one of those black fin things on the front with hoses going to it, and you put something called antifreeze in it. Yeah, water-cooled. <laughs> yeah. So I built a 1926 Model T two-door sedan. Yeah. And it's a fenderless, I can't call it a hot rod because it only has a Chevy V6. I call it a warm rod. Yeah, there you go. There you, you go. Know, my oval will eat that thing alive. Oh, yeah. Nice motor. Nice motor in an oval. Nice motor in any VW, man. Is just a they're, they're just a, a spunky, 
uh, nice car with a lot of punch, and they're they're just fun. It's the other thing, you know, you, you drive them because they're basic transportation, but you can tweak them to where they're like, it, it's a real threat horsepower, you know. Um, oh, yeah, and I mean, and this is not ecotech dial you have computer control this is cams carb compression you know get it in burn it up and get it out you know i mean it's it's old school push rod technology that still works yeah i mean you think about it and it was the design was so efficient you could free up a lot of horsepower with just the, the right kind of mods you know what i mean just changing some displacement some cam lift and a good set of heads and you've got enough power to, to contend with any modern-day car on the street. All of a sudden, you've got a car that'll spank a Hemi Cuda. Oh, yeah. Tone. <laughs> so now back to the, the hot VWs, VW Trans uh, battle. You told me a story about uh, a VW Trans bus that they sent you one time. Oh, okay. Hot VWs had made these little, I think they're made by Burkina buses, and they're little... Bus is probably, I don't know, two, three inches long. And they said hot VWs on them. And, you, you know, they were just things you buy through the magazine. Well, we got something at VW Trends, and it was from 2950 Airway. And I went, oh, that's from hot VW. Is it, is it ticking? Right. <laughs> and, and we opened it up, and it was one of their little VW bugs that had been smashed with a hammer and set on fire. Or one of their buses, excuse me. Yeah. And you could see the torch marks on it, and you could see it had been beat on with a sledgehammer. And I never did ask, but I'm sure that was another Dino thing. So it was it was a VW Trends bus that VW Trends had made, and Hot VWs took a hammer to it and mashed it all up? Yeah, yeah and smashed it all up and sent it back to us, burned and beat. Nice, nice. So... And again, that had to be a Dino thing because he's the only one that would do something like that. He's just, yeah. So talking about VW Trends and thinking out of the box, I do remember one thing I did appreciate about VW Trends is, is that attempt to go out of the box and do different stuff. I mean, it was one of my, my, one of my favorite things was the Type 4 articles that they had in there because I love Type 4 motors and around early 2000s when I'm building my bus and that's my plan is put a Type 4 in it and you couldn't get any decent type four articles and it seemed uh but it seemed like you know hot vws to some extent would get stuck in just doing the southern california scene they'd touch on a few shows a few pictures just for you heard that a lot Bill. You, you know and so i appreciated trends for trying to be out of the box i remember some of the features you guys did that were coming out of Europe, you would, Europe, you know, the Green Hearts Club and some guys like that that you guys did around the early 2000s. And I loved it because I was getting to see what they were doing in Germany because my attitude was as soon as someone laid out, you know, the the, the type four philosophy to me, you know, building a 2.2 liter with 90% German parts and 10% aftermarket, I was sold. Well, let's put it into Chevrolet terms. Would you rather have a 283 or a 454? Right, to a 454, no question. <laughs> yeah, you know, would you rather have a slant 6 or a 426 Hemi? That's it, the big the big block, always the big block. If, if some is good, more, more is, is better. better, and too much is just right. That's right, there's no replacement for displacement. So That's fact, sir. Uh, for you personally, so what, last show you've been to, uh, you get out to the shows very much anymore, get to drag your oval out, or you're so far north now? I, 
I haven't been down south with the Oval. I'm actually uh, going to go down. They've resurrected the old Familian Fest at Deer Park in Escondido. Yeah. That'll be ha- happening August 10th. And I helped kind of set up the first one, I don't know, 300 years ago, whenever it was. And then it fell by the wayside, but they're resurrecting it. And I was going to be down there visiting my sister again, so... I'll be covering that show. Yeah. The Fest 4 Cartel is going to be doing a, a a drag race in Reading on the 28th and 29th of this month. Mm-hmm. So I'll be doing that. And I get down to the Sacramento Buggerama every now and again. So you're going to be there this year for, uh, what was it, Memorial Day they do it? Is it Memorial Day or Labor yeah. Day? Yeah, Memorial Day. They do it Memorial Day and Labor Day. But normally Memorial Day is the best. And if anybody ever wanted to go to the Sacramento Buggerama, I would suggest that they do it now because chances are better than good that track is going to close next year. Oh, really? Yeah, Sacramento Raceway is very much on borrowed time. So Sacramento Raceway this September, we should probably hit that show pretty good. Just it could be the last one. It could be. And if it isn't, May. And yeah. I've always liked the Memorial Day buggerama better. The swap meet is out of control. Well, September's a little cooler, yeah, than uh, it is than May. Sometimes May, you get trapped in the heat in May. I wanted to get VW parts. The, the the May swap meet is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe uh, I may head up for that because now that I'm doing the podcast, I really want to get a lot of people, uh, and, and I love to, as much as I can Skype and the technology we have to Skype where we get people on for interviews, I love to do interviews face-to-face and just kind of get out there and see and see the people. So uh, I'll probably hit Bugarama this year because it's been a while since I've been there. I missed Kelly Park this year because, you know, I do a swap meet here in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Auto Swap Meet, and my swap meet happened to fall on the same day as Kelly Park. Kelly Park's one of my favorite, favorite events. I love going to Kelly Park. That you know, was one of my favorites. Because it's you know it's the whole weekend. It's Mark Merrill's collection. It's it's all the stuff that just makes it such a great weekend. So it's a free plug for the Golden Gate chapter. So hopefully uh, Let's Talk Dubs gets free entrance. Not that I'm asking for it, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I mean, I you know I love all the shows and and I and I got guys. It's so funny. Two of my good friends, Miguel and Tony, up there, and uh, Greg Banfield and a bunch of guys like that. But yeah. but but really, Tony Tony and Miguel. I met these two guys uh, back when we used to do the Vegas show, and we used to have it at the top of the Hampton Inn. We'd have a big barbecue at the top of the parking lot, and it was just rager, man. You'd have, you know, 300 cars in a parking garage. You'd feel the whole parking garage shaking. We'd have music. We'd be, you know, grilling hot dogs, free hot dogs for everybody, doing a raffle and all this stuff. And I was emceeing it, and I was just roasting these guys from Sacramento that were in the front. And it was Tony and Miguel. They were my boys, man. And ever since then, you know, that, that's what I love about the VW scene. You connect with these people that you'll see once, twice a year. But they're like your buddies, man, because you guys find all these. Oh, yeah. we, we start out finding all the commonalities first. We're, we're less about focusing on what the differences between us and more about what we're into, you know. So I've loved – uh, I've loved going to the shows, and and ever since I started going to that show, or ever since they came down to this show, they'd be like, "Hey, man, you got to come up to Sacramento." So I was like, "All right, you know, let me go to Sacramento. It's, you know, nine hours away, but let's do it." And so, and it's always been a great time. And well, just you'll, you'll enjoy it. I I enjoyed being on top of the Hampton Inn in that's gonna be ninety seven, yeah, two thousand two, yeah, in your of the woods. Yeah. I 
I brought the freshly finished oval out there. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I pro and I probably and I think I may have pictures of it because Kiki, they used to shoot for Volksworld and a yes. bunch of magazines in Europe. He sent me a whole roll of pictures that I have on my. Uh, it's still in my email from you know ten years ago that he had sent me over that, but it was a bunch of pictures from the top of the Hampton Inn. So I'm going to pull those up and we'll, we'll, we'll play those on the podcast on the video version of the podcast when people see it. But you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's just such an awesome hobby and I, I just can't say enough about it. And, and, and I hope that when I retire, I still have all my Volkswagens and I get to enjoy all of them and do, you know, be able to pick and choose the shows I go to and have the time to go in the garage and wrench on a little bit because sometimes when you got wife and kids and, house and all that stuff and you're and you're a little younger you got so much going on you barely make the time to be able to do what you started when you were single which is wrenching on that old vw you know but so now let's talk about your transition to working for hot vw so now we're talking it's 2000 2001 when you go over there to hot vw's when does when does vw trends go out of business about, I think it was roughly two years later, and like I say, I, I could see the handwriting on the wall by looking at the advertiser's index, yeah. and uh, I understand, and I don't know for sure because I wasn't there, but I understand they told the editor, okay, you're on Christmas break, and oh, by the way, you don't have to come back. Oh, wow. Yeah, Merry Christmas, you're fired. Wow. Yeah, so that was, yeah. and Ryan Price was the last editor? Yes, he was. Yeah, and how was he to work with as an editor? Now, he, I, I can remember one thing. I do, I distinctly remember one thing about Ryan Price, and he had did an article in the editor's write-up in the beginning about a tinfoil dinner putting it inside your engine compartment, and I just thought, like, uh, what? this is the weirdest thing I've ever read. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, <laughs> yeah, you, did things like that. Yeah, and jumping the shark. Yeah. And, yeah, he had some interesting ideas. So now, um, was he a VW guy, or he was a magazine guy that get, was given a VW magazine, and then he was going to get into it for the magazine? Have, he did have a VW when he hired on. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a Super Beetle when he hired on, but he had never really done much with it he didn't know much about it sure um and it's the one that became the vw trends you know the super beetle series the german looker so did they do a german look car with it so Uh, he he did no now what about henry de when you worked with him now he moved on to do like trucking magazines i think is he still involved in trucking magazines i think i'm Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure I think he's pretty much out of the magazine business, as far as I know. But he was he did he was he a Volkswagen guy too? Oh yeah, he was. Now he and I actually, uh, he had an old VW bus that I believe he bought from Dave Hurd, the old Soto guy. Well, uh, he um, sold this bus to Henry, who put a new motor in it. Henry and I met. I was living in Escondido. I jumped in my 21 window, met him in Corona, and we drove all night. And we went to the Vegas Bug In together. Really? What year was that? Uh, 97, I'm thinking. Oh, so I may have pictures of that Vegas Bug and I may have pictures of your guys' buses. You very well so might. So what kind of bus did he have? It was a 
combi. So his was a combi, and yours was the twenty-three or twenty-one window. Twenty-one window. Well, well, yours was, and yours was the red and red and mouse gray. Yeah, Titan red, beige gray. Okay, Titan red, beige gray. I'm gonna look see if I've got it because I've got pictures from nine. You're, you're now you're talking to my neck of the woods, buddy. So I probably got pictures of that. I would think yeah. that they're gonna be film pictures, but I bet I've got pictures of that uh, of those buses. So that's too cool, man. So you guys drove all the way to the Vegas bug. And so now you can appreciate why I tow my cars to Southern California shows because Baker grade is no joke. You know, I get... no, and when you have a, a 1600 single port, Oh yeah. You, you are stuck in third gear for yeah. hours. Walking is faster. I think up that hill than a 1600 yeah. single port in a brick. Yeah. You got all the aerodynamics of a refrigerator. So what's your, so Going back through your time of all this stuff, what were your favorite shows of all times? Ooh. Uh, probably the Litchfield Bug-In in Connecticut. Yeah. The Central Ohio Vintage VW Club show in Columbus, Ohio. The Bug Jam in Florida. And, you know, I mean, the West Coast shows, of course. I loved... Rick and Ann Mortensen at the Phoenix Buggerama, you know, and the yeah. holes, you know, Bob Hole and the boys that, you know, do the classic and the Buggeramas. I like the, I, I like them all. Yeah. I, I guess the top three would have been the ones I mentioned, but I liked them all. It was fun getting out and seeing what everybody else was doing. Yeah. I have, I have pictures from my first show, which would have been around 1990, 89, 1990. It would have been, uh, the, VW Jamboree, the Spring Jamboree, and uh, I remember just like Cal look Type Thirty Four Gia. I have a picture of it. it's like a blue, it's a it's a sea blue Gia on Type Thirty Four on white five spokes, and uh, you know there were so many cool cars. I remember the pink bus uh, that had a whole bunch of eight inch subwoofers underneath the rear seat that was on the cover of VW Trends. Um, that was probably eighty. No, nah, that might have been ninety eighty eight. 88 to 90 that had all the earthquake speakers underneath it. And it was just so cool. I remember seeing that thing there and I was coming from Vegas. So it had been the first time I'd gone to a, like a real VW show, man. And it was the jamboree. And it was like, my mind was blown, man. I was like, I can't believe all the stuff that's I, here. You know, I don't know if you read this or not, but I have an interesting story about the jamboree. Yeah. Brand new at all this, you know, 1997, uh, and Henry says, go cover the Jamboree. You know, okay. I, you know, grab a bunch of film and my little old trusty Nikon, put the lens on, and I'm taking pictures and writing people's names and, you know, doing the event coverage thing. Well, they start to have the bikini contest when they were still doing those. And I see Dean and Stefan Zantai and I think some of the other, you know, known magazine guys climb up on stage. And I had a press pass around my, you know, around my neck and everything. I was one of them. Right. I climbed up on stage, and the next thing you knew, I am flying through the air. Really? Uh-huh. And instinct was to put my arms out in front of me and save the camera. Right. You know, and right after that, I shortened up the camera strap so it wouldn't hit the ground before my arms, my hands did. But because they didn't know who I was and I was a newbie, they just hurled me right off the stage. <laughs> Three off the stage. That's awesome. Yeah. That's well, awesome. It's, it's 
funny now. Yeah. <laughs> no, look, I'm getting a kick out of it. Uh, so. You know, I'm sure Dino and Stefan remember that. Yeah, that's that's great, man. But, you know, I, and, and one of the, you know, I just interviewed Stefan uh, last week and he'll be, I'll, I'll be releasing him this Friday on the podcast. And, you know, and one of the reasons why I'm, I'm connecting with all the guys that were heavily involved in magazines is because there's so much of that history and so much of the kind of behind the scenes of what people didn't know about back then. You know what I mean? So there's so many, so many interesting caveats of different stories about cars and what happened. And, and, you know, in the nineties, the late, the mid, the late nineties was like the Japan era. That's like a car got finished. It was boxed up and shipped to Japan. It was like, you know, one of my, one of my favorite things were my interviews with people, yeah. Joe Vitone. I did a, you know, an interview with him, yeah. Tom Lieb of Scat, you know, who started back in the 50s. Right, right. Uh, you know, Bob Tomlinson or CB Performance. I didn't get to get Gene Berg before he passed, but he was certainly on my list. Yeah, and you Bob know, Tomlinson, but, he Bob Tomlinson wrote the book on the Weber car was it Weber, Weber carburetors book? Yes, he did. Yeah, so he wrote a book on the Weber carburetors and that was and that was Claude's son, CB who Claude Claude's buggy, that's yeah. his, that was his son. Yeah. It was Claude's son was Bob and then Bob turned the business end of it over to Rick. Rick is Bob's son. Okay, Rick is Bob's son. Okay, yeah. There's so many layers to this VW scene, and it's just so interesting to be able to to, to be able to get it all recorded down in history and then put it out. And I'm telling you, the, the the messages I'm getting from everybody out there is around the world. People love it, you know. Yeah, and you know, I I appreciate what you're doing. I. I wish I could have kept the archives that I had to leave at VW Trends with, you know, my interviews with Tom Lieb and Bob and yeah. a lot of the old timers, because, you know, if we don't do that, we're going to lose them and we're going to lose their knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's gone, and then it's gone forever. Well, and the, the, the greatest thing that, that I think the podcast brings to, to the people is that there's a little more familiarity. You know, like if you're at a car show, shooting a car show, you, you sometimes don't have the time to talk to people and you're, you're there working. And someone might say, Hey, I wanted to ask you some questions. And you're, you're kind of like, it's funny cause you're, you're kind of like a pseudo celebrity when you're there. Cause you work for the magazine. You know what I mean? And so the yes, average, the, the average civilian sees you as like, Oh, there's the guy from VW trends, man. Let's go talk to him and see if we can get some free stickers or let's see if he's got a t-shirt he can give us or, or let's see if he'll feature my bug. Let's see if I can bring him over to the bug. And it's like, you're there. You got four hours. Everybody else is just enjoying the show. You got four hours till the thing's over, and you got to yeah, get. You know, they, they are enjoying the show. I am working the show, and there were times, Bill. I'd say, you know, I'd love to talk to you, but you're going to have to do me a favor. What? And they'd say, what's that? And I'd say, try to keep up, and I'd run off somewhere else. Yeah. Because it's not as easy as it looks. You don't just take your little pictures and write down your little notes. It's work. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I had a, I was happy doing it. I loved it. I do miss it somewhat, but by golly, it was work. Yeah, no, it's a job. I mean, everything really is a job. Even doing the podcast, doing it by myself, it's work because it's like, listen, we're, we're going to be talking for an hour and a half. Well, I'll go back through this whole hour and a half, sit through the whole thing, do, do a minor amount of editing, but still need to pre-process it, edit it. That's just for the audio. Then to make the video, that's a whole other couple hours if I, if I produce the video, get the pictures together, edit that. So it's work, but I do it because I love it. You know, I, I do it because it's so great to be able to be a part of something. 
and and document this history. So speaking of history, um, I want to get into Hot VW. So you go over to Hot VWs and how to, and compare and contrast like Hot VWs for, to VW trends. Like what's the biggest differences? You said there was a huge family atmosphere, which was one of the things. But did you have more artistic freedom at Hot VWs or VW Trends? Actually, probably at VW Trends. Sure. Uh, I probably had a little bit more artistic license. But then again, that's because we knew better than to go head-to-head with Hot VWs. We knew we would lose. Uh, it's, you know, we, we could not compete with their genre, with their clientele. So I got to, like I say, think outside the box. And like Mark Herbert's car and some of the German looks and some of the fenderless Volksrods and stuff. Yeah, you, you know, guys. You, at the time, I, Hot VW was not going to touch. Yeah, they would not do it. You know, I had I had Jeremy Brooks on here a couple episodes ago, and he's the first patina car that ever made the cover. Right. You know, and it. you know, you look at some of the magazines, Volksworld and those guys, They've been doing it for years, uh, and in Europe they take it to a whole other level. I mean, that car is like a, a rusted carcass that's barely on the barely roadworthy, and and those guys are, those guys are willing to drive everything. And I think it could be due to lack of options out there, or maybe they're just so committed to the cause of that of that rust that they're just gonna wear it like a proud badge. But uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting to see that the VW trends. And then in the name, VW Trends, and then Hot VWs, mostly focusing on show cars, show-worthy VWs. And primarily, with the only kind of complaint about the old Hot VWs, they've changed now with new ownership, but primarily about that Southern California kind of feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I said, the the India Red 67 with BRMs mm-hmm. and, and a 2276 with IDAs. Yeah. yeah. That was their... Uh, they're standard. So your, your gray oval, you've got two oval windows, a yellow and a gray one? Yeah. So how long have you had both of those cars? The uh, gray one, the silver one that my wife calls the silver-haired mistress that lives in the garage, Yeah. was actually, when I bought it, brush-painted with house latex yellow paint, and I took it on my honeymoon in 1988. Oh, wow. And I had, I sent you one picture of me that was taken by Shin Watanabe before, way before the VW, hot VW things. He was working for Let's Play VW. Yeah. And he did a feature on my 21 window in my silver car. And there, I sent you some pictures of that. Yeah, I saw that's awesome. And uh, with you in your front yard, and it's got all your cars sprinkled along, along the lawn. You've got a single cab. Yeah. Your twenty-one window, you've got your, uh, you know, you've got a bunch of your your cars out there. I think you have, you have split. Yeah, you have a split window too, Meyer, or no? Bill Myers, Manx. Yeah. Uh, a tan, completely bone stock, fifty-two thousand mile original, threefold fifty-five sunroof, and the silver-haired mistress. So did all those cars? Did you sell all those cars shortly before you retired? Yes, I did. I uh, sold. I told my wife. I'll sell every single one of these except for one. That'll be the one I take up, but the money will go to help finance a debt-free retirement to the Redwoods of Crescent City of Northern California. Nice. 
And she came home from work one day, and the garages are all open. You can see those two garages. Mm -hmm. And the only thing left was the silver car. Really? Yeah. I sold the uh, the 21 window to to Randy Carlson of Old Bug. Yeah. And I don't remember. It was twenty or $25,000 in 2004, which at the time. Good money. It's good money. Good I had money. no issue with that. He offered me twenty or twenty-five, and I said, "Yeah, Randy, that's good." Yeah. Well, in two thousand nine, a buddy of mine calls me and says, "Hey, I think I see your old bus for sale at Barrett Jackson in Scottsdale, Arizona." So he sends me the link, and I click on it, and I look and. Yeah, the, the windshield's bent to clear the safari windows. Right. It has a 68 and later middle seat. Yeah. It even has a burn mark on the inside of the deck lid where the alternator let go. And they gave the VIN number, so I ran upstairs into this office and found my old insurance papers. This was my old bus bill. Yeah. The only thing they had changed was they had put white wall tires on it. $165,000. Maybe I should have kept that. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, listen. Yeah, who knew? Uh, you, who knew? You, we could sit here and shit all over ourselves for the next hour and talk about things we should have done. <laughs> could have, should have, would have. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, you, you, did you build that bus from ground from ground up? Yes, I did. So I actually traded a guy in San Diego uh, 1950 split window bug for that. Oh my goodness! You just go. I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know. It's worse. <laughs> Trading the split well, that, for 21. That bug, was, that bug almost got me shot. Yeah, because you can't get out of the way of road rage. <laughs> oh no, no! It had an 1835 in it. Yeah. But remember, I told you I was a street sweeper, and I had it converted over to 12 volt, but the semaphores were still six volt, so they didn't just come out kind of lazy. I mean, those things came out and snapped to attention. Boom. I'm going to work, and my boss had said, you know, I don't care how you do it. You can go the wrong way down the street. Just get the curb and gutter clean. Right. Uh, do whatever you need to do. So I'd go to work around 3 in the morning, about an hour after the bars closed, giving the drunks time to get home, get arrested, or crash. Right. So I'm going to work, and all of a sudden, I see these red and blue lights behind me. Oh, hell, I'm getting pulled over. So I pull over, and, you know, the cop, yeah, driver's license, registration, proof of insurance. And, I, you know, I had the open glove boxes, like a split dash. So he's shining his light in there, looking and stuff, and I handed him all the paperwork, and I said, can you tell me why you pulled me over? I wasn't speeding. Is there something wrong? And he goes, well... When you turned left from Valley Parkway onto Rose, you didn't use your turn signal. And I thought, that's weird. I just rewired all this. And you got to understand, he is standing right at the B pillar. Okay. So I hit the switch. That semaphore comes out and whacks him right between the two (laughs) nose holes. Nice. If you do that to yourself, that. Oh, yeah. It stinks. It hurts. Yeah, so is... you're a cop. It's about 3 in the morning in a bad part of town. You pull over this long-haired kid in a Lord Loud VW, <laughs> and the next thing you know, 
there's a flash of light and your nose hurts. What are you going to do? Absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're, gonna, you're, you're going to jail. <laughs> you just got punched in the face. Jail, but, I mean, I, I was looking right down that 45 and going, dude, you got hollow points in that thing. Ah. Yeah, that's a little sketchy. So you almost killed the cop with the semaphore. Yeah, I, well, I wrote a story about that. One of my K for Dave stories in VW Trends was Assault with a Deadly Semaphore. Assault with a Deadly Semaphore. Of all the magazines that you did, um, what is uh, – What's what's your favorite? If you if you had to get rid of all the magazines but keep one, and you keep two, you can keep one with your car in the cover, and then you got to keep another one. Which one? What's your favorite cover of all the other ones that you have out there that comes to mind? Probably the one with Andy Costello. Yeah, yeah, that's I didn't awesome. Even, I didn't even photograph that car, but I wrote the car and just the whole story behind the the Costello thing and his family. They basically adopted me, Bill. Yeah. Uh, I am their son, whether they like it or not. And they may not, but too bad. What would be one of the things that nobody knew about VW Trends, now that Trends is gone and no longer here, what what would be one of the things that people didn't know about VW Trends or something that happened behind the scenes that would surprise a lot of people? That there was a bunch of dedicated people working at that magazine. It was like Hot VW is only different. You weren't doing that to get rich. Yeah. Uh, if you were, you needed your head examined. You did it because you loved it. Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, I agree. And, and, and the passion, it shows in the work that people did, you know. Well, you know, and, and the, the big publishing company, McMullen Argus, they knew we would have worked for less than they paid us probably. Because we loved what we did so much. And they knew it, and they kind of capitalized on that. And You know, I mean, I got quite a raise when I moved over to Hot VWs. I mean, it was still, you know, I'm still not getting rich, but it was a significant amount. That's just interesting. And, 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 I, and I would guess, I would, I would think that a magazine editor that is not an enthusiast would definitely maybe change the tempo of the magazine. You know what I mean? Like if you've got somebody that's not a committed enthusiast, I think it's the same way with, you know, with any kind of business, if somebody's in it for the money or it's just a job to them, you know, the, the, the product that they're going to put out is going to be a little bit different, which is kind of, yeah, it's going to be substandard because your heart's not in it. I'm just putting some things together in my head and I'm realizing that you probably found most of your cars because you drove a street sweeper. I found quite a few that way. <laughs> I'm on uh, to you. I'm on to you. It goes on Bill's top 10 tips of careers to get into if you want to buy old Volkswagens and cars, be a street sweeper, because you get up close and personal to everybody's house and nobody questions a thing. Yeah, well, and you're sitting way up high in the cab. You see right over the wall. You're, you're driving a right-hand, usually driving a right-hand vehicle, right-hand drive. Most sweepers have two steering wheels. So you drive in the normal American side or the Brit side. And I just stayed on the Brit side, and you could see over everybody's fences. And I got a couple of VWs that way from behind fences. What's the coolest thing you've ever found? Uh, probably an old destroyed '69 VW Bug that was getting ready. They said, "Yeah, it's going to the dumpster next week," and it had a wood rim steering wheel in it that says "Empty" on it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I got a GTV, and then my Raider wheels. I have a set of original Raider wheels on my silver-haired mistress. A buddy of mine at the city where I was the street sweeper said, hey, I hear you collect old Volkswagen crap. And I said, well, Carl, define crap. I have enough single port heads and heater boxes. <laughs> right. Uh, what do you mean by define crap? I've got these old four wheels that have been in my garage. They were there when I bought the house 15 years ago. I'm moving out of the house. They're still there. I'm going to put them out at the trash can for the recycling guys to take. On your way home from work, if you want them, get them. So I actually drove by in the street sweeper, and I looked and looked at the, you know, because they're stacked up four high, and yeah. I went, holy crap, one of those is a Raider. So I grabbed it and threw it in the cab of the sweeper. And, Holy crap, the second one's a Raider. <laughs> Holy sh, there's four Raiders here. A full set, huh? A full set. So I cleaned them and got the hoops re-chromed and back together. And I run them on my car. I love them because at the time, nobody reproduced them. Now the Raider, that was, made, was that a Sears and Roebuck wheel? Uh, there were two types. There was the Impy style that has the peak down the spoke. Mm -hmm. And then there was the Sears style that has a completely flat spoke. Yeah. Uh, actually, I don't know if this will work, but this is one of Randy Picton's very first ones. Oh, yeah. With the flat spoke. And this one's even engraved to Mr. Cormac because I kind of helped him launch these. And then one of my other prized possessions, we made a giveaway Manx at VW Trim. And Bruce Myers is a very good friend of mine. And he goes, hey, go by Dave Deal's house. He's got some artwork we can use. Dave Deal was a very famous artist. Used to work for cartoons. Oh, yeah. That. Oh, yeah. I'm real familiar so, with Dave Deal stuff. Um, I'm over talking to Dave in Vista, California. And I'm maybe, a, yeah, I'm working for Trends and I'm, maybe a mile from Dean Kirsten's house. <laughs> I just love rubbing that in. Right. And I had the Raiders on my car, and Dave Deal goes, oh, those are nice Raiders. Oh, you know what those are? And he goes, I designed a wheel for Don Raider that never went into production. Oh, really? You did? Where is it? He goes, it's up in the rafters. Now, July in Vista, California, up in the rafters, it's 120 degrees. A little warm. So I dig this thing out, and we find the old hoop. It never did get put together, but oh, this wow. is the original D RDW wheel designed by Dave Deal back in 1967. Wow. And when, they, when VW went to four lug wheels in 68. <laughs> there goes that idea. Yeah, he, yeah, they told Dave, no, we're not going to produce those. We're not going to produce wheels for a car that's not built anymore. That was the right. attitude. Yeah. So crazy. So crazy. That's such a cool piece. History shouldn't be laying on the ground. The thing should be nailed to the closet door, so we'll rip it off the hinges. How much that thing got away? Uh, it's not light. <laughs> yeah, it's a solid piece of cast aluminum or what? Yes, it is. It is solid. Yeah. And uh, that and my GTV steering wheel that was signed by Joe Vitone, Richard Garino, 
the Schley brothers and Daryl Vatone. Those two things are going to be going to Mark and Paul Schley's museum, you know, because you're not going to get Joe Vatone's signature again. Yeah, so you had him sign that when you did your 20 questions with him? Yes, I did. When I went out and spent the day with him out at his place in Ocala, I had brought this with me in my carry-on. Boy, did the TSA not like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, listen, when I came back from Europe and I went to EBI, I went to EBI 6 with my buddy uh, uh, Chris Cox, and uh, I went with, we were with um, Joe Horvath. And, oh, yeah. Uh, when we Rapids. went, a lot, you know, it's funny, a lot of people don't know who Joe Horvath is, and Joe Horvath was actually, we worked at MP. You know, before, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if it was while he had Rev Master or this was before Rev Master. But, uh, you know, I was I was there with those guys. And at the, all those shows over there, they give um, they do energy drinks and then they do the energy drinks and they wrap them with a label for the show. And it's just a cool another cool collectible or another way to sell a drink for two bucks more than what it normally costs. Whatever. Either way, I'm a buyer a sucker right here. And so. Oh, yeah. I, I wasn't even paying attention. I was leaving. My buddy uh, Cedric's loading me up with all these cans, and I got Freddy Flies, energy drinks, all this stuff, and I'm throwing them all in my uh, in my carry-on. I didn't want to I didn't want to check a bag, and I didn't even pay attention. And I got in my carry-on, and they're full of liquid. And I go through the line. And the lady's like, "What are you doing?" And I go, "Nothing. I got those in the bag. No big deal." She's like. These have to be empty. You need to go empty all these. So I had to go to the bathroom, and I had to dump out all this, all these energy drinks. Now I'm hauling empty cans back across the way instead of checking the luggage. So yeah, that kind of ruined the collectability of those. But listen, what are you going to do? You know, you don't think, I think sometimes. My favorite TSA story was I was coming back from Wisconsin. I'd gone to the Mofoco bug in, bug out, whatever they call it in Wisconsin, and while I was out there, you know, again, first guy through the swap meet. Wow. There is no cross or roller crank and rods that's never been used. This sucker's brand new in the box. Yeah. How much you want for the crank? Hundred bucks. Oh, mister, you got a deal. Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna let the Air Force or the you know, the airport gorillas tear it up. So I wrap it up in all my dirty socks and underwear and carry it on carry on with me. <laughs> so I get on board the plane. And I go to hurt the thing up into the overhead bin, and the whole bin starts to kind of sag. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's heavy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And sure enough, here comes the flight attendant. And she goes, sir, is that your duffel bag? Uh, yes, ma'am. Well, what do you have in there? And I said, well, it's a crankshaft and connecting rods. And the guy in front of me must have been a gearhead because he just exploded laughing. Right. That's awesome. Would you mind putting it down in front of the seat in front of you? No, I'd be glad to do that, ma'am. Okay. (laughs) So nobody gets killed. Yeah, I've got an SPG roller. I've got an SPG roller bearing crank and a Jeanberg pulley that I ended up trading something. I traded something for a Jeanberg pulley at one of the last Pomona swap meets I went to. And I had gotten this SPG roller bearing crank, and they were kind of in my swap meet my swap meet crates that I would just take to the swap meets and somehow the crate, I put them on the side of my garage cause I didn't want to get them loaded in the ha- in the garage yet and forgot about them for a few months and we had rained and now I had a, a beautiful Jeanberg power pulley, the balancer power pulley that's completely pitted. And I had a brand new SPG crank that is completely all pitted now. So 
Yeah, those are my those are my decorations. So the, if you can learn one thing, take your swap meet stuff and put it in the house because if you think it's not going to rain, it's probably going to rain. So yeah, thinking it's not going to rain is doing a rain dance. No, it's great stuff. Anybody else that you can think of that you've met throughout all your time of being in the VW scene that really made an impression on you besides the people you already talked about? Anybody else that you can think of that that really you believe has been probably one of the most influential people in the VW scene? Probably, yeah, Fred Simpson of Performance Technology. I learned a lot from him, and not just about VWs and cylinder heads. I learned a lot about life from that guy. Yeah, really. And he is one of the guys that I believe is still the world record holder for the bug-in engine pull at 2 minutes 17 seconds. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. That's uh, that's that's pretty awesome. But so Fred Simpson, he's the guy, huh? He's 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 a solid guy. He's made a great impression in your life, and I know he for quite a while he was the head guy, man. Like you needed heads, man. That was the guy to get your heads from. Yeah, he he's retired now. He still plays a little bit in his garage, but his business performance technology is closed down. Yeah, I'd love to get him on the podcast. Maybe I'll see if I can ring him up and get him on the podcast and pick his brain about how a guy gets into port and, and building VW cylinder heads, you know, that would be a good one. I could, I can actually email you a, a phone number if you like. Absolutely. I'll take it. I'll take it, man. It's, you know, it's my job. Uh, now that I started doing this, it's kind of my job to get this history documented, you know, from as many of the horse's mouths as I can, you know, yeah. because get there's the mouth. You got the horse's ass. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. I can live with that. I'm good with it. Well, that's great. Well, well, you know, Dave, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. You've been a great guest to have on, and and I promise to have you on again. Um, uh, it's been my pleasure. Listen, man, we got tons of stuff to talk about, and believe it or not, we've been sitting here yapping for about an hour and 45 minutes. And with our technical difficulties before, we've probably been on the phone now for two over two hours. So that's awesome, hey, man. You know, hey, we got more to go. That's you it. Got- Time. I, I, you know, I promise to follow up with you and get you some more feedback. Matter of fact, we'll ask some of the podcast listeners that are going to listen to this episode to send me information at Let's Talk Dubs about specific questions they want me to hammer K for Dave with and get to the bottom of maybe some rumors or mysteries that they heard about VW Trends magazine during your time there uh, at VW Trends. So, uh, Dave, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing it, some of the shows coming up, man. Bill, thanks for having me. All right, brother. Thanks. All right. Well, I hope you guys learned a lot because I learned a lot from Dave Cormack. Good dude, and I promise we'll have him back on the show. I'm sure he's got tons more stories, so we may just get him on here and rip out some stories. So I uh, didn't want to leave those guys out to give us a review on, on our Apple podcast. So some of the guys that gave us a review, don't want to give a shout-out to uh, John the Ruckus for leaving a five-star review, also Lion Notch, and also uh, – Water Down Dragon, and of course, George T, 600cc. All those guys give us five stars, wrote up a nice review. So shout out to those guys for supporting the podcast and uh, coming up on the next episode. Next episode next week, we've got the one, the only Pat Downs, CB Performance. So Pat's coming on. We got a lot to talk about with Pat. I got a lot of good information out of him. Asked him some questions, got his opinion on some things, and we talked about possibly doing another Dino Day coming up. So hopefully you guys are enjoying the podcast. Make sure you guys give us plenty of feedback. Share the podcast with your friends. Share it on Facebook and make sure we just keep growing our audience because the more audience that we have, the more 
episodes we can put out here at Let's Talk Dub. So I appreciate the support, man. You guys are my uh, ride or dies, man. I appreciate you guys that are enjoying the podcast. Make sure, again, share the podcast with your friends. Anybody that's got a VW needs to know about this podcast. So until next week, guys, I'm Bill T, and I'm out.